Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the latest episode of the CS School podcast, where we speak with CS professionals from all over the world, learning about the hottest topics in customer success by stripping them back to basics and discovering how best to apply these strategies. This episode is brought to you by Vitaly, the all-in-one customer success platform. Take a qualified demo with the Vitaly team and get a free pair of AirPods. Vitaly maximizes the productivity, visibility, and collaboration for your CS team, helping to increase NRR and streamline operations. With Vitaly, your team can focus on the tasks and work that matter, while powerful automation takes care of the routine stuff. See why Vitaly is trusted by leading B2B CS teams. Visit vitaly.io forward slash CSC today to schedule your demo and get your AirPods. Right, let's get stuck in though. Hi everyone, my name's Grace Gupta and I'm the copywriter here at Customer Success Collective. Joining me on the podcast is Duta Satadip, who's a renowned CS expert and innovation strategist. Duta's recognized for his leadership and expertise in helping startups and Fortune 500 companies build and scale their businesses through customer-centric strategies, data-driven insights, and technology-driven solutions. Duta is a recognized speaker and writer on topics such as customer experience, digital transformation, and innovation. So in today's episode, that's exactly what we're going to be delving into. We're going to be delving into everything related to customer-led growth and how you can incorporate that into your daily operations. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Hi, Duta. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure to have you on because we're going to be talking about something very exciting. Um, But before we get into it, would you mind, for the purposes of our listeners, would you mind, um, I guess, really talking talking about how you got into customer success in the first place? You know, quite quite keen to hear how you ended up working in this wonderful, wonderful field. Yeah, it's a, I think everybody has a unique story. Uh, Mine... uh, happens to be, uh, it was by an accident. And uh, uh, my actual training is in engineering and I did a variety of roles, you know, managing software development teams, doing product market, product management, uh, uh, product marketing, uh, did some work with uh, sales, like selling software, um, uh, some merchant integration work. And uh, I was at Google in a product strategy uh, um, uh, kind of a role. And I got this opportunity to really rethink how do we provide great customer experience to customers. And um, that was my introduction to the world of customers. And eventually I got to create the first uh, end-to-end customer success organization at Google, uh, which comprised of all post-sales functions, everything from uh, understanding implementation uh, to account management to the traditional customer success. And then one thing led to another. And um, after a stint at uh, Pinterest, building a similar organization and being the chief customer officer at Active Campaign, again, managing all of the post uh, sales organizations that include customer success. Uh, here I am with you uh, on, on the podcast. Sounds like a very, I, I love listening to people talk about how they got into customer success because nearly always it's it's happened by accident. I just, you know, they've just fallen into something they loved, but it sounds super varied. So thank you for sharing that. So today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic um, and very relevant for 
pretty much every organization the world over. And it's it's we're going to be talking about incorporating customer customer led growth strategies into your daily operations. Now, you know, there are so many. I mean, I think I'll be speaking preaching to the choir here. There are so many common challenges for customer success managers. You know, you've got, you know, getting the customer to actually engage with the product, you know, negative feedback, um, you know, as your company scales, handling, you know, handling a large and probably very diverse customer base. Um, there are so many measuring impact of measuring the impact of your work, you know, and I'm sure we'll probably touch on these common challenges throughout the course of this episode, but in terms of customer-led growth, let's focus on that and all the, you know, and we've just, I've just listed some problems there. How can, I guess basically I want to ask, could you elaborate on some of these common challenges, which many CSMs you know, and, and senior, many CSMs face daily, but how can these problems be solved, you know, I guess by addressing customer centricity, how can they be solved and promote customer-led growth? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, for most subscription-based businesses, which is where CSMs play the most and the most important part, if you think about it from a very high level, the remit of a CSM, you can break it down into a few components. Number one, uh, they want to probably engage with customers and drive true product comprehension. And for most companies, there is some version of driving product adoption. I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody bought a product, they want to be able to use it to realize whatever the value proposition of the product was. So clearly understanding and using the product is one of the things that most CSMs are accountable for. Now, assuming that happens, there are two outcomes that come out of it. Either they will renew at the same level, which they're ultimately one of the metrics sort of responsible for. Some people say there's buffer churn, um, retention, but basically it's renewals, right? You're renewing it, and then the act of renewing gets you that retention. And the even better scenario is, hey, the customer loves it so much that more people in the organization or more units of consumption are being used for that particular subscription. And that's basically what drives expansion. But the foundation of a lot of these things is, hey, making sure that the CSM really is enabling the customer to realize that value, right? So going on that input principle of understanding and explaining that customer um, what the product does, I think I see like a few kind of challenges that crop up more often than not. One is what I would call excitement, but no engagement. A lot of like excitement, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. But then when it comes to time, like setting meetings, et cetera, very little sort of like engagement, right? The second one is sort of like a comprehension and taking action. You would often find people sort of saying, hey, I understand it. And you show them something, you can do that. But then literally the next thing they can't do. Now you can blame a lot of things for it, but that's like the second category of problems, right? 
And the third category of problems is usage and dissatisfaction, right? Which is, I'm using it, but I kind of don't like this. Is this a bug? Is this a problem? Why is it designed this way? Obviously, the CSM, I'm, with all due respect, didn't actually design the product. That yeah. they can help you understand the product. They, they didn't go and code this product. Neither can they go back and code it to fix it themselves. Yeah. So there's this three sort of tranches which I sort of talk about. How do you sort of you know get the customer to actually engage with the product? Number one, how do you get them to take action? And then what do you do when you get feedback and i'm talking mostly negative feedback obviously if it's positive feedback mm. they're going to renew they're going to expand so we're leaving that use case behind but those i think are the three big challenges that um, i think csms face in sort of fulfilling their remit and being successful thank you for that that's amazing i guess um you know putting the customer at the forefront of every business decision should be something that's you know, it's a hard it's a it's a hard task it's a tall order but something that should be being done you know and that's not just for customer success you know departments that's that that should go that that should be something that marketing consider sales every, you know product product development but you know i'm quite interested to know in your experience how can this might be easier said than done, but for the purpose of this episode, let's let's try and tackle. <laughs> In your experience, how can CSMs try to shift their outlook to become customer centric? If you know, for example, say if your your team, how would you how would you try to promote that? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. So I talked about sort of three kind of pillars of challenge, right? And yeah, usually like the first pillar, right, where it's around like, hey. They seem to be excited, but they're not doing anything. The immediate answer ends up becoming some version of like, oh my God, like we sold it to the wrong customer, right? Um, the second one, like, which is like, they're not doing the things after teaching them. They're like, well, they're not like good enough. The customer is not like smart. Like they seem to like bring all these people who have no experience in domain x whatever it's marketing and the sales they don't know what they're doing and that's why they can't do with it and the last one is like sort of like oh gee um we're getting negative feedback the product is bad right it's all about the product of course the product needs improvement but then all these symptoms i'm talking about a lot of times the pattern that emerges is a version of sort of placing the blame on something else and to be very clear right. I'm not suggesting the blame doesn't lie anywhere. Bringing on a, a, a customer, making a, uh, a customer successful is a team sport. Sure, is a yeah, of course. Responsibility. But I want to sort of take a much more tactical and perhaps a practical view to it. The customer is already there. Yeah. Like what you're going to do with it, mm. right? So my approach to some of this is um, how can we help someone take a look at this problem and shift the focus. This is what has happened. And it's okay to give feedback. If a wrong type of customer was acquired, I think feedback should be given to the right people. Hey, here's why this is not the best customer and what can we learn from it. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, there's also an opportunity to take that customer and do something with them. At the end of the day, 
they did part with their dollars. So there is some connection somewhere, maybe not the ideal and the most easiest one, but there is some connection somewhere. So some of the things I will, um, I would want to always go back and I always encourage people to sort of do, especially in the earlier stages is, hey, why did you buy the product? Mm -hmm. What are some of your personal business goals that you want to accomplish? I mean, you paid for this. Sure. Maybe there was a problem, something, yeah. thought something was going to happen. What was that? Did your boss make you do it, right? There could be a variety of answers. But the meta point I want to make is to really get to, to spend some time if there's disengagement, not just talk about what the product does, why are they in the conversation itself? Mm. What was the business decision that drove it? And what does personal success mean for that? For example, somebody can say, oh, my boss asked me to do it. And then the next question should be, so that's great. What do you think you would like to get done to show your boss that this is successful? And more often than not, they'll be like, hey, I need to get the system up. But listen, I have like 25 different things going on. I don't have time for this. I have like three people coming to me for X, Y, and Z. So now you know, like time is an important consideration. You can ask a few follow-up questions. What is it that your boss actually asked you to do? Because yeah. the product may have hundreds of things. And that's what I would call is a way to use discovery in these conversations to drive to a bit of an information that will help them see they can get this done. At the end of the day, if you reduce that time to value with the customer and the customer leaves the conversation feeling accomplished about something, the level of disengagement over a period of time will go down. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you. That, I feel like I've learned a lot from that. Thank you. Um, I was thinking, thinking back to what you just said about, you know, obviously there'll be some situations where, um, I guess they're actually maybe the product is at fault and maybe there is a, I don't know, a, a bug or something and it's actually preventing the customer from using it. And I guess that's probably, I don't know, a bit more of an extreme situation where it's probably a bit out of the CSM's control. But I, and I guess, you know, customer centricity is, like I said, something, something so vital, I guess, for the, for the you know for for our entire organization but how could you describe perhaps a situation where you have seen or you yourself have shifted your mindset to become more customer centric yeah. like and and I'd like quite curious to know cuz you know this is something that I guess the term customer centricity or being customer first you know it's it's everywhere on linkedin sure but I'd like to curious to know what the impacts of this was how, when you know when this this shift happened I don't yeah. know, a case or something. Yeah, I'll give a very personal example and then I'll extrapolate it out. So this was my time at Google. And you know, Google scrapes a lot of information to sure. give information. And this was a time, now this is very standard now, but back at that point in time, you know, when you do a Google search in a business or something these days, you have this like little info card, right? So this is like the early days of like that info card being populated. And there's this very big um, retailer that sells computers. 
Okay. And for whatever reason, the, we have scraped the information that they have on their website or whatever. And the phone number that's appearing in that info card is something that is directing their calls to a small office somewhere in the Caribbean. Okay. Oh. It's not their main number. And that yeah. office has basically like five people. Right. And like everybody is like calling them as if that's their support number. Oh, God. <laughs> you can see why this is a problem, right? This is a huge problem. But these are like, and I'm giving this example because these are like one of our major advertising customers, but they clearly have a problem yeah. on another side due to one of our products that we don't sell. Yeah. Right. Now, this was an interesting example because the reality of how the algorithm works is like we can't like go and edit things out. That's just not how it works. It they have to change certain things on their side, another run needs to happen, and the customer was upset. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. Right? So what do you do? So now here I'm like thrust into this mix. And then we were able to sort of like get the right people, get some folks to kind of change their website on their side because we can't change their website. They have to change their website. Um, so we solved the problem. But ultimately, and it took like a few days for the whole thing to sort of like go through, the whole process to go through and solve it. But it was a very high profile problem. And they threatened to pull all spending because this was causing harm to their company. And my entire purview of something like this changed because even though this was a very difficult conversation, once we explained everything, there was a difference between customer understanding and not liking. And one thing that was very revealing was even if they did not like it and their voices were raised and all of that stuff, they understood. And I think one of the things I would encourage every CSM in terms of sort of owning the owning this negative feedback, et cetera, because you're right, sometimes it's not you. Sometimes yeah. it's some other product somewhere else. Sometimes it's your own product and the development team is doing something else. Sometimes you told them not to do something and they did exactly what you told them not to do. And now they have all the problems, right? Those are all real, real situations. I sort of like to explain to people, if you want to be customer centric, you need to sort of make sure you are effectively taking that feedback and creating and making sure that that urgency that the customer feels is reflected in your conversation and your responsiveness, et cetera. If somebody is like yelling at you, saying I'm gonna follow up and following it up after like end of the day is not urgent. If somebody is like really upset in the case like this, you want to capture the outcomes, what's next steps, and literally within the next 15 minutes, get your everybody to kind of get on it. So urgency matters, right? Determining next steps and being accountable matters. When I talked about this understanding, we were like, listen, we know this is wrong. We're not going to try to defend it. Who is the person on your website that can get on a call at the soonest possible? 
They were like, we can get somebody in the next couple of, next hour if needed. I'm like, okay, let's determine the next hour. Let's get that next person in. We kind of knew what was going on. We will have an expert in, in the next hour to solve something like this, right? So accountability, having that next steps is super important. And the third portion is, I would say, some version of understanding what they're trying to do and providing a solution. It may not be the best solution. It may be a workaround solution. And in this particular case, it was a workaround solution, mm. right? Yeah. Because the actual solution was the number to be forever removed. One of the things we said was like, hey, why don't you reconfigure the number to not go to the Central American country, instead reroute everything to the US, mm. right? Because you can do that in your IVR system. So is that a possibility for the next 24 hours to prevent the goal was yeah. customers are leaving phone lines, there's no way to map the phone. Like, is that something that can be done? And how can we kind of make that happen? And we brainstorm through a few things to make that happen. So I think understanding the goal is as important in solving this because sometimes the perception is if it is a bug, it's gotta get solved in the product. But the reality is the product development team may be having a hard time reproducing yeah. it. The product development team may know this is a problem and it's a bug, but it has many layers of dependency that have to be solved. And it's gonna be like a four day, seven day, maybe a two month fix because of what needs to happen in the back end. What does the customer do? So finding a quality answer is important but it may be a workaround, it may be changing some things, but aligning to that goal of what they're really trying to solve and what's causing that flare up is probably. So in my mind, to develop that customer centricity and that ownership to solve it, there's an element of urgency. Mm -hmm. There is an element of accountability, next steps, and the person owning the issue, shepherding it through, but there's also a, element of quality, which is tied to what is the most immediate problem that needs to be de-escalated. Sure. That's, that's fantastic. Curious to know, though, say, for example, in the example you gave, I guess that's a short-term fix, like the way you solved it. What? How do you say, so you've solved, a, you know, temporarily solved the problem in the situation after having negative feedback, the customer was really cross. How do you sustain their belief in you until yeah. the actual problem is properly solved? Because like you, that could be, like you said, that could be months. How yeah. do you, you know, actually keeping? Because you, you're kind of in. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But I guess you feel like you're out of the woods because you temporarily solved the problem. But and you're not out. You're not, you're out, not of out the woods temporarily. No. Yeah. But how do you? And that's why I said that the period? goal. And the goal is important. And I talked about accountability. The accountability is not just to put out the fire in the moment. Yeah. The initial goal obviously was for in this particular situation, hey, like we their solution was get the number removed and get the right number replaced. That was what they wanted, right? Which was the right solution, to be very clear. There's always some bug in the system somewhere that made that happen. So not only the number replaced, that should not happen ever again. 
right? That's the ultimate end-term goal. Short-term, I talked about rerouting calls, uh, some changes, some redirection, redirecting that we did on the front end, right? Kind of like a patching to sort of make all of this work. I think the accountability piece is very important because in this process, we basically said, we are not going to close this issue till we are able to get to a satisfactory resolution. We also had very big stake. We didn't want to like lose all the, the revenue that was coming in. So we did want to make sure like there was ongoing communication. Some of this took a little while. It wasn't all immediate. Um, we were able to fix the first time kind of like you know, phone number problem, but then there were some other issues that had to be taken care of down the road. So um, it took a few cycles. It took a few cycles, but we committed to the customer in that accountability pillar of this process to really make sure that every single time we were letting them know this is the progress that has been made. And you may not be seeing this, but we have taken this to the logical conclusion. Perfect. So being really super accountable and transparent, I guess, as much Perfect. as you can. Yeah. Perfect. And sometimes some of the stuff, like, you know, not this example, other cases, we, we have, it is also appropriate to say, listen, what you're asking for, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that mm. because that is not how our system is designed for. Yeah. That is not who it is designed for. So we're not going to make these long-term changes. However, I want to make you successful. Here is a way to get to all of those things and let me work to re-implement some of these things so that you get the best for what we have in for you. And I think sometimes that logical clarity, even if it's a no, needs to be transparently uh, communicated, mm -hmm. right? Just saying it's in the roadmap under consideration, if the decision has already been made, like it's not going to happen, that needs to be communicated. Yeah, right? for sure. Timeline needs to be communicated. Hey, we have a lot of things. This is one of the things that is obviously bothering you and probably a few other customers, but our goal is to really make sure that the system is always on available for everybody. And by the way, that's also one of the things you have complained about. So we are really doubling down on that and not on this at this point in time. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. It's because it's, it's important to treat the customer like an actual human being rather than just like a cost center because you're sorry, that was a load of that was a load of jargon there. But, you know, that's really got to you've got to appeal to the fact that, yeah, they probably might be frustrated and you've got to show that you are a person as well. And this is, you know, you're not. And then acknowledge, You're not a acknowledge, yeah, sure. Acknowledge the acknowledge the frustration, offer the reality, offer alternatives on how to alleviate that frustration, um, and then sort of go from there. And again, I'm saying like you know, this doesn't mean like not communicating to the product organization. Like, hey, listen, like this is like a big feature request. Like, mm, yeah, I'll do my best to calm them down. But at the end of the day, they represent churn risk. They represent retention risk. They re represent expansion risk. If they don't have all of this, they're not going to give it to other people, right? So how do you go about uh, handling that? Perfect. Thank you. Curious to just sort of segue on, because we've been speaking a lot about how, given practical examples of 
how to, I guess, really, you know, in the, you know, in the mind of a CSM, really try to focus on being customer centric. But I guess, you know, people do need a helping hand. So I'm curious to know, like, what other aids are there to helping promote customer centricity in your day to day? And I'm really thinking about like, tools like what people people can you know i'm not just talking about all-in-one cs software i'm talking about just general tools that can help you on your customer your customer centric journey if you will i I think this is an excellent question because as you can see in the examples that we have spoken about so far there is an element of day-to-day management of tasks Mm. there is a notion of follow-ups, you know, building trust is at the core of it, doing what you say and making sure your commitment is following, uh, you know, falling through. And the world of mostly electronic communication, it is captured through tasks, action items, emails. And when you're managing a large book of business, it is reasonable to assume something falls through the cracks, right? Not because of lack of intent, but just so much of things are going on in somebody's daily life. My personal uh, recommendation is to really take an automation first uh, approach to your own uh, way that you manage your business. Some things that I will say I'm a big fan of um, one of the things that communicate that you have understood what has happened with the customer and then honestly keeps both parties accountable is clear action item notes. Uh, there are many, many AI enabled note taking software that will join the meeting, transcribe the call and then summarize it. So whether it is something like order or something else, I would highly, highly recommend you know, investing in something like that, because what that does, two things. One, it transcribes everything for you. You have a good, quick sense of what's going on. And in some cases, you know, companies provide that, right? Like a system like Gong, right? The entire conversation is captured, but take the moment to summarize it. And there are many tools to sort of apply and summarize text that's coming out into easy actionable bullets. And that I feel like is a great way to uh, make sure that you are, you're capturing what the customer said, listening and following up. That's a big portion of everybody's job. And I think tools can help you get there a lot. The second one, sorry, go ahead. No, I was about to say, it's fostering accountability again. You know, like, like you said in your previous example, it's a continuation of that, but. Yeah. The second one I would say is, you know, people say things, people put stuff in emails, etc. Whether it's like really getting aggressive with your filters on a system like Outlook or Gmail and being able to like segment customers, etc. But the next thing I like to encourage is if you're using Notion or some sort of other tool, I use tools like Zapier to connect with Gmail and then extract the right things and create tasks. Having a system like that automatically lets you at least group things, group large follow-ups together. And one of the big productivity hacks that I have found is 
not to address emails, AIs as it comes, is to flag and keep them and then dedicate like an hour at the end of the day, 30 minutes, middle of the day, whatever, to really have focused time to go through a list of stuff and just knock them out. It mm. feels more productive, but also because you're a zone of closing things and organizing things, you can get a lot of stuff done super, super fast. So a lot of time what ends up happening is you're getting emails. They're like, oh yeah, this should be a follow-up. I will tag this and then I will like go back to it at the end of the day. Let the software do that tagging for you. Right, invest the time to kind of build that in it so that it's already tagged, it's marked as a task via Zapier to Notion or to whatever, right? And at the end of the day, you're now going through, okay, this customer has like a bug, et cetera, et cetera. I gotta do this. There's a high priority customer. If it's a high priority, I'm gonna look at it either within like in the you know post lunch or whatever. If it's a low priority customer, I'm just gonna clear up as much as I can at the end of the day. And at the end of the week, I wanna make sure like everything is sort of clear to start with a clean slate as much as possible, right? So I think creating those rhythms with automation will help build focus time. And then in focus time, will ultimately free up your mind to actually have more rich discussions with customers. Hmm. Do more research about what is the customer trying to do? What is their business objective? If you don't understand their business a little bit, you can do some catch up on some reading to make sure the next time you show up with the customer, you're talking in sort of similar terminology. Thank you so much. That was, I hope people listening have got their pens and paper out because that was really, really, that was lots of very sage advice there. Um, so finally, you're, you're going to be speaking all about customer-led growth at the upcoming Customer Success Festival in San Francisco on the 19th of September, aren't you? Would you mind um, just telling our listeners a little bit about what they can expect, more of the same good stuff? Or uh, So I'm really excited to be uh, part of the Customer Success Festival in San Francisco. And what I'm going to be talking about is really a uh, customer-led growth. I feel one of the biggest opportunities for almost every company out there is how do they grow their customers? And customers can be one of the best advocates for your product internally and externally. So my talk is gonna be talking about how do you make that possible throughout the entire customer life cycle where your customers really want to go on rooftops and shout out your name and help you grow your business. It sounds like a really vital session for people to be attending. I think everybody, I think everybody listening could definitely, definitely do with tuning into that. Um, so yeah, that's in, that's on the 19th of September in San Francisco. And I'm just quite curious. So we put on festivals like this quite a lot. Um, I think this is our, I think this is our 10th, uh, we'll, we'll have, they'll have 10 this year, but why is connecting with fellow CS professionals of all levels of seniority in person? So why, why do you think it's a really, a really important tool? I think, uh, first of all, with the pandemic, we are all been working so much, you know, in remote environments. And I think there is a level of learning and shared uh, pain 
that yields a lot of great bonding. And you not only make friends, you also actually uh, learn about what tactics other people are using in other companies, something that is very hard to orchestrate in through a LinkedIn connection or something like that. You have a situation where everybody has sort of like similar background, similar challenges, and getting to know each other, learning from them, learning from their experiences, their own career growth, opportunities that you can help them and vice versa, I think is what makes these festivals and in-person events so, so, so powerful. It's definitely helped me in my career um, as I have uh, uh, done this and continue to do this. Uh, it just expands your horizon. And ultimately, uh, we work not just because we like the challenges, because we want to work with fun people. And this yeah. is a great way to meet so many fun people. That was a ringing endorsement if ever I heard one. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, that time's not on our side and we're probably going to have to wrap things up now. But thank you so much for this really, really, I've, I've learned a lot, but really interesting conversation and very action, you know, a lot of actionable tips here. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and hope you've had a lovely time. Thank you so much, Grace, for having me and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Duta. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go to the customersuccesscollective.com for even more customer success related content. You can also join our global community on Slack and you can find the link to that on the CSC website. But until then, see you next time.